1: With Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves.
0: And with a score of 268, the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer of the year is Cameron Smith.
1: Ah, Yes, indeed. What a moment that was. A moment that will echo on through time. Cameron Smith winning the 150th Open Championship. And that is the top of the agenda for us tonight on Off The Tee. Nick Ahern, of course, the former world number 16, the only man that's got a 2-0 record against Tiger Woods. And we'll speak about Tiger as well. Is here on a really special night. Uh, Nick, hello, mate. G'day, Sam. Now, why haven't uh, why haven't I got you on there? Why is that not working? Go again. G'day, Sam. There am is. On now? Here You I are. Am. You are on now. Um There's a a heap for us to go through with what Cam Smith has achieved. We'll speak about how the other Aussies went. We'll talk about your old sparring partner in Tiger Woods uh, as well. But I'd love to get your thoughts on just what you were feeling when when, when Cam was making the charge, Mm. running down Rory McIlroy, who we both tipped as our pick to win it last week. We did. And to create the history that that he's done, mm. what what were you feeling as a as a, a you know a former leader and Australian uh, pro, proud Australian really
0: yeah. more more so than anything. And I think when you know the one player I'm sure Rory was keeping an eye on in his rearview mirror, apart from Victor Hobland, who he was playing with, but Victor didn't really get off to a good start, and he, no. he almost was a non-factor in the end. But once Cam started, you know, lighting that back nine up and got the putter rolling, I'm sure Rory was thinking, "I need to get a move on here." And Rory actually played really some some good golf. He didn't miss a green, you know, hit 18 greens, which isn't that difficult at, St. An- at uh, St Andrews because the greens are so big. But he just couldn't buy a putt. And I thought he putted quite well. His speed control, which I looked at for Rory, because that can be a bit of an issue at times, especially in the last round. If your speed's off, well, then you know you're not putting that well. But I must admit, his speed all day was beautiful. And then when Cam started making those birdies early on in the back nine, he tried to put the foot down, but it just wasn't there for him. So 150th year of the Open Championship, Cam Smith produces one of the
1: greatest Australian sporting moments, a comeback win for the ages. So he's four shots down going into the final day after being two shots up going into the penultimate day on day three at that stage people are calling it a disaster an implosion the invariable comparisons with greg norman are coming choking is thrown up he chases down the raging hot favorite and the crowd favorite the sentimental favorite in rory McElroy. two birdies in the first five holes that ignites the chase and then a back nine nick Mm. that is going to be spoken about at every Open Championship for the rest of time and probably every time anyone plays at St Andrews ever, whether they be <laughs> pro or tourist, it, it begged belief, didn't it? Six birdies, five in a row to start the back nine. This iconic moment, which we'll get you to talk about as well on seventeen.
0: Ham Smith for par, then to maintain his one-shot lead. Oh, oh! oh! oh my goodness.
1: So, so for all the birdies, and he shoots a 30 after the turn, Nick, but another phenomenal moment on a 17th hole like he did in the island hole, the, the, the island hole at the player's. That putt off the green to traverse and walk the tightrope around the road hole bunker
0: to set up the par is as big as any of the birdies. It, it was probably the most important part of the day when you look at it. Yeah. That gave him that cushion going down the 18th. Now, he knew Rory obviously needed to make eagle if, if he made birdie, which he did on 18. But that, that's probably the best par save you'll ever see anywhere in any major golf championship. And looking back, I think history may show this to be the greatest round ever played in a major championship. Um, obviously, the Open at St. Andrews, it's the Holy Grail, as Rory McElroy called it mm. early in the week in tournament golf. The only other, I would say, nine holes or round of golf that uh, comes into comparison would be Jack Nicklaus at the 1986 US Masters when he went 30 on the back nine as well. But he actually threw a bogey in there, Cameron. He didn't make a bogey. He just five birdies from the 10th onwards. That pitch he hit into 10 was just unbelievable. Yeah. that was a pretty tough pin, that one. Yeah. Just on top of the ridge, Hold about an 18-footer on 11, on 12, made a nice 10-footer there, 13, another 20-footer or so. 14 was the par 5, which he hit it in the exact spot. You want to miss that green, which was long with that front pin position. Rory was short on that par five. And that's where he sort of almost didn't lose the tournament, but he needed to make birdie there. We'll speak about Rory in a
1: moment, but, and you'll be able to tell us that when you, when you were rattling off last week, you were talking about, uh, Seve Ballesteros winning, uh, in 84, Jack winning in in 1970 at St Andrews. Whenever you go back to any of these phenomenal major wins, there's always moments. And that was one of them. But then the gauntlet gets thrown down to Cam again on 18. Mm. And, the eagles made by Cameron Young. Who didn't he have a, a phenomenal tournament? I think he's just outside the top thirty coming in to this tournament, or around that mark. He eagles eighteen. Well, he, he's the
0: other Cameron that really no one was talking yeah. about. Well, I mean they had the two cams there, and, and he leapfrogged glory, obviously uh, Rory. But what a great drive he hit on the last to be about twenty feet. Yeah. But that drive of Cam Smith on the eighteenth was was absolute clutch because that's always been a bit of the question mark with his game is his driving we obviously know he's Mm. one of the best putters in the world if not the best his iron play was just absolutely stellar this week but he drove the ball beautifully all day on sunday and to hit it where he or aim where he did i mean it would have been very easy to aim well left you know take the out of bounds out of play but he went actually up the right hand side took it on hit a great drive but he still had plenty of work left to make the birdie but he kind of had a feeling the way he was putting all day that if he just putts this anywhere within 10 feet, he was going to make birdie. And he ended up knocking it up there at about two and a half, three feet, which was basically a gimme for him anyway. Cameron Young knocks the eagle in, obviously, but Cam Smith had a pretty much a tap in for the win.
1: His ability to sink birdie putts absolutely elite. Um, but as we saw before too, some of the putts to say par were as clutch as Michael Jordan beating the Cavs in 89 or to beat the Jazz in 98. But this was the birdie putt, So the, the eagle has been landed by Young, um, and he had to make the birdie putt on 18 to get a one-shot buffer.
0: Is that going to be the birdie that wins the Claret jug for Cam Smith? Matches the lowest score to par in major championship history, and just like he did the players, Cam Smith put on a putting display of historic significance in this place,
2: in the final round, jumping back from the 73 yesterday, shoots his second 64 of this championship.
1: Second 64 of the championship, that was the part. He's then got to wait for Rory, who needs to make Eagle. And you think, well, you know, what's the chance of him making Eagle on 18? Well, he's just, seen, Cam's just seen his playing partner make <laughs> Eagle on 18. So he's got to wait it out. And Rory just wasn't able to pull a rabbit out of the hat. And it was interesting, and we'll get to Cam's response, and we'll hear a bit from him in just a moment. And we'd love to hear from you. Were you watching in the early hours? Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. He's been getting shout-outs from the who's who of the celebrity world, including Hugh Jackman uh, on Instagram uh, of recent days. So, how did you feel watching this? If you're an avid golf watcher or just a passive zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text uh, off the tee, Sam Hargreaves, Nick O'Hearn, with you. Rory just couldn't find his moment, could he? He'll, he'll lament multiple birdie putts that he saw just trim the edge, trim the edge, trim the edge. It just didn't happen for him on the final day.
0: Yeah, as I said early on, uh, you know, in his, uh, a little earlier, he, he putted beautifully. Mm. The putt on the first just rimmed the edge. The one on two, you know, that wedge shot into two wasn't great. Uh, that was the one thing I think was a little bit lacking was his wedge play in the last round. He had about mm. three or four opportunities to knock a wedge close and he didn't do it. Uh, the putt on three had a six-footer for birdie. If he, if he knocks that in, he's got the par five coming. But I think really the turning point was around that ninth hole. He had a real good opportunity to birdie the nine, had a 10-foot putt, didn't go in. That would have extended his lead at that point to three shots. And Cameron Smith may have gone, oh, hang on, I'm quite a way back. Maybe I need to press a bit more. I don't think Smithy really started pressing until maybe about the 12th or the 13th. I know the 13th hole, that putt he had there for birdie, he, know, he said to himself, okay, this is the moment. I need to make this. And... He just poured it right in the middle. Rory, unfortunately, when that moment came, he just couldn't get that ball to drop.
2: But I got, look, I got beaten by, um, by the better player this week. You know, twenty under par for, for four rounds of golf around here is is really really impressive playing, especially to go out and shoot sixty four today to get it done. Um, yeah, you know, I'll 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 rue a few a few miss, you know, sort of putts that slid by, and but you know, it's it's been a good week overall, and. I can't be too despondent because of how this year's went and how this year's going. I mean, I'm, I'm playing some of the best golf that I've played in a long time, so it's just a matter of keep, you know, knocking on the door and eventually one will open.
1: There seemed to be a romance about Rory, given that, you know, he, I know it's played in Scotland, but he's, um, he, he's a UK Irish. You know, it, it, it had that feeling going into it. It had the feeling during it. He had
0: the weight of support from the gallery, and it just didn't pan out. I had that feeling as well. I mean, it was almost a, I guess you call it a date with destiny. Yeah. I mean, that was the word I heard going around it. This is destiny to for Rory to win this tournament. Yep. and To cement his legacy as one of the have all-time greats. Would his second greats. claret jug. Would have been his second. It would have been his fifth major all-time. That puts him in a category with Seve and Faldo, which is yeah, a huge wow. thing amongst the Europeans. And for him not to get this done, I, I struggle to think how disappointed he was come Sunday night. But... To his credit, he gave a great interview. He spoke all the right things. Said he played well. He just got beaten by a better player. And mm. I think next year could be a massive year for him. It's
1: great to see him back at the pointy end. It seems, and I'll, I'll, I'll get your thoughts. Is golf a bit better for is golf a bit better for for him being you know at the pointy end of the, of the rankings? Oh, of course.
0: I yeah. mean, he's he's just has that. He has that X factor, which is what you're always looking for. I think amongst the top players and what separates them. Cam Smith has it. Um, you know, Scotty Scheffler, funnily enough, he's number one in the world. He has an X Factor, but no one just really knows what it is just yet because no one really spoke about him coming into the tournament. He, and he loves that. Yeah. He, exactly. he says, oh, I'm, hey, I'm the world number one,
1: but I'm, I'm under the radar. <laughs> Absolutely. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, and anytime Rory's in contention or Jordan Spieth, those sorts of players, people want to watch. Yeah. And that's what drives, you know, eyeballs to the, to the TV to watch these golf watch these guys play golf and it's an exciting format too i mean the way they took on saint andrews we'll probably talk about this in a little bit but they went after it i mean they took driver off a lot of the tees mm. you know we spoke about the strategy last week about how to play this golf course the one disappointing part about the whole week i think was we didn't get much wind if we would had a bit more wind maybe a 20 to 25 yeah. mile an hour day that would have sorted them out late on day one it picked up a bit. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. But, but at it didn't, the most, it was five to 10 mile an hour most days. And and around, you know, the old course, that's not going to hurt them too much. No. So back to Cam Smith. So he's four
1: back at the start of the final round. The two early birdies, I think, gave him, he was in touching distance. Then the five birdies in succession from the turn. At back nine of 30, the final round's and 8-under-64. It betters the previous best of 6-under-66 by Zach Johnson in 2015 at St Andrews. So this is his first major, but he's had top five finishes four times in major events. So the Open, for a lot of people, seemed like it would be the least likely for for him to win. But the putter and the putting um, was just at another level, as you spoke about earlier. And then, so this is is just a couple of the stats that you love to throw up because it, it helps people understand this, the significance of the achievement and, the, and and not just the win, but it's the way in which he won. He beat Tiger Woods' record of 19 underset at, at an Open Championship in 2000, which was at St Andrews uh, as well. Two of his three were at St Andrews, Tiger, and we'll speak about Tiger and what looked to be a farewell. Um, so <laughs> how do you sum up that performance with all of that
0: behind it? Mm. and around it. Well, as I've said, it'll it'll go down in in history. It may be one of the greatest rounds ever played. One thing I was curious to see was how he would bounce back after Saturday because he actually played pretty well on Saturday. I did like his press conference where he said, look, I didn't do too much wrong. He made one silly mistake on the 13th where he was standing inside the bunker, the ball was outside, and he was trying to carry this ball a good 170 yards over Gorse. Not a smart move. That's where Sammy's caddy probably should have said, hey, mate, just put that one away. Let's chip out sideways, knock it on the green, make our bogey and keep going. Because they're the sorts of things that can happen which can ruin tournaments. And in the past, I guess he's had that little bit of a meltdown every now and then late on, you know, the back nine on a Sunday. So Augusta being the, obviously the, the the most recent point when he knocked it in the water on 12. But he got over that obviously exceptionally well uh, for him to come and win this golf tournament. It was almost serendipitous in a way earlier on in the week. or, or Sorry, early on Sunday morning. Andrew Thompson, Peter Thompson's son, scattered Peter's ashes on the back corner of that 18th green. Two or three teaspoons full. He's he's scattering ashes at the moment all over uh, the UK on the British Open courses that he won on his his father Peter. So that morning he scatters Peter's ashes on the 18th green. Later that day, Cam Smith wins the Open. I mean, talk about that. <laughs> that is
1: absolutely beautiful.
0: How special? How?
1: powerful is is that imagery um and this is what cam smith said it meant to him
2: yeah i I think to to win an open championship uh in itself is probably going to be a golfer's highlight um in their career um to do it around st andrews i think is just unbelievable um this place is so cool um i love the golf course i love the town and um yeah hopefully we can keep that that trend going with um, I actually don't. I, I don't have any family here. Um, I've got I've got all my team here. Um, my dad was actually meant to come over, um, and he pulled out in on the in the last minute. Basically, um, I had a chat with had a quick chat with him before. He's kicking himself now. Um, uh, yeah, but why, why didn't he come? Sorry, your dad. Why, why wasn't he able to? It was just just it was just just kind of the thought of doing all that travel for, for one week, uh, basically. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. he's he's definitely kicking himself now, and, and uh, I really wish he was here too. It would have been such a cool week, even, even without this, uh, to be at the home of golf. Dad loves his golf as well, and have, have um, you had it would have been awesome.
1: So what it means to be just the second Australian to salute uh, as the champion golfer of the year at the home of golf... Um, So he joins Peter Thompson and Cal Nagel. That's illustrious company. And he joins Baker Finch and Greg Norman as the fifth winner of the Claret Jug. And and the emotion of not having his dad there... and then, obviously, being a, an Australian with a mullet, it went to how many beers he was going to have and how many claret jugs he was going to have, uh, how many it would take to fill it up. But uh, We went down that path. I think Dylan Buckley, the former blue and giant, somehow got himself into the press conference and asked that. We might play that a little later for a laugh. But um, that, yeah, it, it, it was, I think, for those who stayed up and watched, we had a lot of people texting in uh, Nick Ahern that said that they stayed up to watch it and, and they feel like they're far better for it. Um, Matt says, wrote him off after the second round. Being a typical Aussie sport lover, I didn't want to watch anymore. But come final round, I had this feeling about Cam. And un, and as usual, the Aussies come from nowhere. What a legend. And and that word is now what he will be
0: in Australian golf. Yeah, that'll basically almost cement his legacy, so to speak. And it's just uh, an amazing thing for for him to have that on the resume and, and he'll be an Open champion or the champion golf of the year for life. Beautifully said. We're going to speak about the other Aussies and how they fared because it was a really impressive um,
1: tournament from an Australian point of view. Get Nick's take on the course and some of the better performers of it because there's a heap of stories to come out of the 150th Open Championship. Uh, But the most significant was Cam Smith, uh, and we send him uh, all the congratulations uh, that we can Uh, from an achievement that will live on and echo through uh, Open Championship and and golf and major history. Uh, This is Off The Tee, Sam Hargraves, Nick O'Hearn. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Uh, we're just reveling and reliving uh, what was such a phenomenal achievement from Cam Smith at the one hundred fiftieth Open Championship. He becomes just the fifth Australian to win the tournament on a um, on a four day on a four days uh, Nick that were really good for the Aussies. Um, Cam Smith obviously winning it, but it it, it did it was. Um, it was obviously the lead story in amongst several good ones from an Australian por- uh, performance uh, point of view. Who, who, we'll go through the results in, in just a moment, but who, who else impressed you?
0: Well, amongst the Aussies, I think, you know, you've got to go with Anthony Quayle in his first major, yeah. uh, you know, finishing in a tie for 15. So 11th, 11 Aussies teed it up. Seven made the cut, which is obviously a nice outing for us. Four unfortunately didn't, but we had four people inside the top 15. You had uh, Lucas Herbert finishing with a 67 on the Sunday for a tie for 15th. Anthony Quayle on the same number, also shot 67, finishing in a tie for 15th. And Adam Scott as well there in a tie for 15th. Now, Scotty was interesting because, you know, he had it going that Sunday. He was four under through 10 holes. He was 13 under for the event. Now, he probably wasn't going to win, but he could have posted a 16 or a 17 under, and you never know what could happen. Unfortunately, he was three over his last seven. So that closing holes in the opens for Adams is a bit of a... (laughs) You know, it's a bit of an issue at the moment. Adam Scott, and and with with every ounce of
1: respect, because this this guy's you know won the Masters. Um, he he, you look at him, and he you look at him play golf, and you go, well, golf looks easy because look at that guy swing a golf club. How does he ever he's play a, bad? You think right? for for <laughs> footy pants? He's a lot like Josh Kelly from the Giants. You look at him and go, you should be the best player in the league. You, you when you've got the ball, the way you kick the ball, the way you move. You look like football is just the easiest thing in the world to do. You look like you should be the best player getting around. I often think that when I look at Adam Scott and think, you look like you should be the best player in the world. And for a while he was. But it's – and even the commentators speak about, is there a better-looking swing? And they all just sit there and marvel at it, and yet
0: – Yeah, I've, I've watched it hit balls on the range. I think, how does this guy ever hit a bad shot? yeah. But, that's the beauty of golf, you know. It's uh, every hole's different. Every yeah. every shot you face is different. The lie, the conditions, the wind. You're playing on a, an ever changing playing field, basically. So, it's just one of those unique sports where you can have the perfect model, yet it still may not. Make you number one. And as it turned out, he had a great week. I mean, he still finished in a tie for 15th. Just more of the Aussies was Minwoo Lee had an excellent week as well, uh, finishing in a tie for 21st. He shot 68 the last round. He double bogeyed the 13th, unfortunately, but then he comes back in the last five holes with three birdies. So that was a great finish for, for him. And the other two Aussies that made the cut, Jason Scribner and Brad Kennedy, uh, finished in a tie for 53rd. So overall, obviously, a very good showing for him. But, you know, at the end of the day, Cam Smith official world golf ranking of number two now. And on the women's side, we've got Minji Lee, official world golf ranking of number two. We've got two people, two Aussies, who are number two in the world on the men's and women's games. I mean, how good is that?
1: It's a great state of being for Australian golf. And we're going to, as part of this show moving forward, we're actually going to speak about a lot of the other Aussies that are doing well Mm. on other tours and, and those that are coming through the ranks and those that you're doing some work with, Nick, um, obviously, we're 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 dedicating and rightly so most of our attention tonight on the Open Championship, but I, I don't know if you saw the, the the Lucas Herbert interaction with Phil Mickelson, which is so. There's a heap of great little stories that come out of the Open Championship, as there do, as, as there is every year. The, 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 did you catch the Lucas Herbert Phil Mickelson interaction?
0: I, I didn't actually know the specifics, but I heard that Lucas uh, had a bit of a crack at Phil. Is that right? So.
1: Lucas Herbert's, I think, 26 years of age. This would be his second um, Open Championship, I'm fairly sure. He's walking along the 15th, playing his first round with Phil Mickelson, who, despite where he might currently be in the golfing world and how he might be currently viewed by the golfing public, probably the second greatest player of his generation. They're wandering down the 15th, and... Um, and Lucas Herbert, who in 11 years ago was at the President's Cup as a volunteer, he was going around as a volunteer scorer, I think it was, getting things signed by all the players that were there and was snubbed by Phil Mickelson at the end of the day's play. So he wanted to remind um, Phil of this. And this is what he said. And this is in his own words. On the 15th day, I reminded him that I hate him and have hated him for 11 years <laughs> as a result of him not signing the autograph for me. And he was very apologetic and he played along. It was pretty funny. He's an American, so maybe he didn't get my sarcasm and was pretty dry. But I thought I had a- about this, um, was what he said. After they finished the round, Phil shot level. Lucas shoots two under. And they went to the scorer's hut. Phil called uh, Lucas's caddy Tim over, got a sharpie, grabbed a glove out, passed him the glove, and on it it said, Lucas, 11 years late. And signed his glove. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> what a great story that is. What a great memory he's going to have. Absolutely. Um. Speaking of great memories, Tiger's final walk. Well, I don't know if I should say final walk. So we'd watched Steve Calcavecchio do it. There'd been a couple of other players who had, had, had sort of bid farewell. Phil, with very little acknowledgement from the crowd, walked down. Obviously now is part mm-hmm. of the Live Tour. Um, John Daly... I love that he was paired with Bryson DeChambeau for the two days. If ever that's the past and the present <laughs> of big hitters uh, spending a day together. Um, but how did you feel as a guy that has gone head-to-head, mono-mono with Tiger, and you've, your, a lot of your golf history is so wrapped up with, with his? Um, match play, 2-0, the record. How did you feel watching him walk down? It had been a really tough four days. It, you could clearly physically see it took a toll. Mm. Did it feel like a farewell
0: to you? I think for St. Andrews, probably. Not Not the tournament itself, the Open Championship. You know, he sort of, when he crossed that Swilkin Bridge on the 18th hole, uh, you mentioned Mark Kalkaverke earlier, he sort of waved goodbye. He knew mm. it was his time because he's actually 61. He got a special invite to play because yeah. you're allowed to play the Open as a past champion up until you're 60. For Tiger, obviously, he can play there again in eight more years Ooh. when the tournament goes back, but... When he went over the Swilkin Bridge, if he'd have paused, looked back and waved and sort of stood there for photographers, he would have gone, oh, okay, this is the last time. Whereas he just walked mm. straight over, raised the hat um, as a bit of an acknowledgement. And it, to me, it sort of was, it's a bit sad in the way to watch the way, you know, he, he went around the golf course for two days because he, he looked in pain still. He was limping around, didn't have his best game, got off to a really bad start in the first round, obviously knocking it in the burn. That was the worst possible start for him. Teeing off, he actually thought he could win the golf tournament, uh, hands down. That's just Tiger. That's, yeah. That's just the way he operates. Um, and I think the real cool part about what happened when he crossed the bridge and was walking up 18 was Rory McIlroy, who's, I guess, the person he's passed the baton to, so to speak, mm. was was playing the first hole, and he looks across, and Rory sort of tips the cap, Tiger tips the cap, and yeah. it's just like a, a really cool little interaction there between the two of them. But, uh, you know, great to see Tiger Woods back playing major championships again, but you look at the way his body is at the moment. It's just hard to see him being competitive anymore, to be honest. Who else impressed you? What else impressed you? What else impressed me? I I mean, the golf course is always, uh, you know, just such an impressive place to be at. The town, the field. I mean, everyone I've spoken to, all the Aussies that I know that were over there on golf trips, I wish I was (laughs) over there with them, they all just said, this is the coolest golf tournament we have ever ever Mm. been to. And obviously with an Aussie winning at the same time, it just doesn't get much better than that. But, um, you know, the feel of the place and the way the golf course almost stood up because, as I mentioned before, there wasn't much wind, so it didn't have much defence in that regard. So the one defence they did have was tucking the pins, putting them in some tight spots. I mean, 20 under was still the winning score, but to be honest, the course played around about that par 67, par 68 because there was four or five reachable holes, you know, for the pros off the tee, 18 definitely, 9 and 10 were both reachable at different stages, 12 you could get to, and then also the two par fives are reachable, so there's five or six holes that are reachable in less than what they should be getting there in, so... Mm. So the par of the golf course was under 70 for sure. And 20 under one, yes, that tied the record for the all-time. I think Hendrik Stenson said that back in 2016 at Troon at 20 under par. So they didn't break it. And the weather was very, very favorable. If they'd have got some wind, I would have thought around 12 under par. So the golf course for me was an absolute standout. I mm. love that place. It was firm. It was fast. It had everything you want in an open championship. And the massive double greens are so cool. I mean... Pace of play was horrifically slow, unfortunately. Oh, because you've got people going left, right and center, balls flying everywhere. It's just one of those things, you know. It, it is what it is. But I guess, you know, when you were saying what impressed you, the, the guy that really impressed me, and again, he was under the radar, was Cameron Young. I mean, how good did that guy play? Number mm. 30 in the world, as you mentioned. Kind of no one really thought about him on that Sunday because Cam Smith was doing all the, all the right things. But look out for that guy in the future. He is an absolute star in the making. When we come back,
1: we have uh, we put it off for a week on the debut episode <laughs> of Off the Tee last week. But one of the things that Cameron Smith was asked pretty early on in his press conference, we'll play you on the other side of this, it's to do with the Live Tour, and we'll get Nick Ahern's views on said tour. Just a couple of texts that have come through. Uh, we love your engagement on Off the Tee. Uh, boys, I know it's an, an absolute dream, but could you imagine Tiger in his prime playing Rory's 18th hole? You can guarantee he would have found the eagle. Uh, Cam Smith's calm response to his second shot on 17 with Rory breathing down his neck and to get it up and down for par was all class. That's from James in Q. Evening, lads. I stayed up Saturday night to see Cam's third round, but because of work, set my alarm for 2 a.m. Monday and watched Cam via KO. Fast forward to see all the shots and would have woken the neighbours yelling at each amazing birdie and his incredible road hole par save. That's from Jace. Uh, and the last one, great win, Cam Smith. I think we forget our Aussie runner-ups. They've gone so close at the open. Uh, one shot, seconds. Roger Davis, Haywood, Adam Scott, and Jack Newton, plus a dual playoff loss by our two other major winners to Calcavecchio. That's Gavin in Baronia. Love all those texts coming through 0433 11 16. Nick Ahern will give us his tip for the week as well. It's all coming from his book that he's out now, by the way How to Play Your Best Golf Strategies from a Tour Pro. One of those, incidentally enough, is how to play like yourself, one of the chapters in there. And we spoke about Cam Smith and the way Lucas Herbert uh, go about certain (laughs) things. So that's a chapter to read as well. We'll be back after this on Off The Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast.
2: Uh, Cam, apologies for having to bring this up in these circumstances, but your name continues to be mentioned, it's been mentioned to to me this week about uh, Live Golf. Um, What's your position, are you interested, is there any truth to suggestions that you might be signing? Um, I just won the British Open and you're asking about that, I think that's pretty, not that good. I appreciate that, but the question is still there, are you interested at all, is there any truth in that? Uh, I don't know, mate. My team around me worries about all that stuff. I'm here to win golf tournaments. So that was a fascinating and
1: it's lamentable, but that's the reality of the world we live in now. Live Golf is here. Um, 48 players, um, 21 of those inside the world's uh, top 100. Um, It was hanging over the head of the 150th uh, open Championship, Tiger Woods speaking out uh, about it, Rory McIlroy as well. Um, they ticked off Greg Norman's uh, unvitation uh, to the celebrations. Uh, he, of course, is championing uh, the Live Golf and running the whole show. Um, and the rumours around who else might be joining the Rebel Tour um, continued to abound. And it was only a matter of time you felt that Cam was going to be asked that in his press conference, Nick Ahern, um, and he was. The response, I thought, was justified, as was the question, though. The follow-up, he
0: didn't really knock it on the head. <laughs> he didn't, did he? He kind of gave it the, uh, well, I'll just leave that to my team to work my schedule out. But, you know, that's obviously uh, he didn't want to answer the question. And I totally mm. get it. At this particular moment, he's just won the Open Championship. Yeah. But that's the problem, I think. We're finding ourselves in this situation is, you know, the tournament probably finished at 6.55 p.m., And at 6.56 p.m., they're starting to talk about live again. So we had the open all that time, and now they want to just get straight back into the live talk. So it's uh, a fascinating time in golf right now, you know, where we've got all this banter, and there's so many different variables going on with this live golf at the moment. Who's going, who's not? Rumors are just absolutely abounding left, right, and center. And, um, you know, it's it depends on what your point of view in it, uh, is, is on it. And I'm sort of seeing it from all sides, taking in the information, going, well, I can understand a lot of these players going because that money that they're throwing at them is absolutely obscene. Is it good for the game at the moment? Obviously not, I don't think, because personally I'm about, uh, you know, where's the competition? That's what it's all about. I mm. mean, we heard Tiger talk in his pref- press conference, I think, on the Wednesday where he spoke about 54-hole tournaments. Um, You know, there's really nothing in this. The shotgun starts, the team formats. 72-hole golf is what it's all about to him, to the greats and the legends of the game that have put Mm. their names on those trophies over the years. Now, live golf has to start somewhere, I'd imagine. You know, they have to start these tournaments in some way, shape or form. They may be able to do a better way of it, but we're in a very interesting time right now. Has anyone made the joke that it's no surprise that Greg Norman's championing (laughs)
1: a series of tournaments that are only 54 holes, given his uh, history. (laughs) Well, I haven't heard (laughs) one, actually. That's
0: quite a good one. Yeah, he won the Saturday Slam one year, didn't he? Yeah,
1: yep. Uh, So, for those... And I think we're all up up to speed on the story. So, this is Saudi money. So, that raises questions of, is this sports washing? Um, People have uh, ethical concerns about um, where the money's coming from, um, human rights violations that have been committed. Um, People often and, and and rightly so, um, wanting to speak about Jamal Khashoggi and what happened to him. So there are all those concerns on one side. On the other side, oh, that, that these are athletes who are, are in the game for a certain amount of time and need to make a living and this is the best way to it. There's concerns about the PGA that runs roughshod over, um, over, the, uh, over its own tour um, and players wanting more freedom, players wanting to have more say Players wanting to have more control. Greg Norman's had a long-held grudge against the PGA, uh, especially in terms of its treatment of Australia. So there's a whole range of issues that are around this, and 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 they are all valid.
0: Mm.
1: And it's up to people to sift through the, the the opinions, the the points of view, the concerns, and all of it to, to find a place where they sit. And I think a lot of people are not yet. Uh, not yet at that place where they can definitively say that they a hundred percent anti or a hundred percent for. Yeah, where do you? Where are you currently with
0: it? I, I'm sort of sitting on the fence a little bit because you know people have actually asked me, "Oh, well, well would you go if they offered you?" Mm. And I, I'd, I'd have to seriously th- sit down and think about it. The thing, the thing that you know, I guess, annoys me in a little way is the, all the early comments from the players was well, we're trying to grow the game, we're excited about this format, you know, it'll give me less time uh, on the course so I can spend more time with my family, all those sorts of things. Look, guys, just say it's all about the money. Mm. It really is. At the end yeah. of the day, it's all about the money. And and, we un- and as a player that, you know, over the years, the course of your year, if you can double, triple your earnings, you know, in just by playing a couple of years on an event like this, well, you'd have to seriously mm. consider it. Now, all the other things that you spoke about you've got to weigh those into the into the equation as well so there's so many balls in the air with where this will go will they get world ranking points that's one of the biggest issues I think right now is yep. they've applied for world ranking points because if you think about this all those players playing the live tour right now can't play the PGA tour events and they can't play DP world events okay they're, they're banned from playing those mm. they can only play the majors now a lot of the players, maybe 35 to 40 of those 48, are going to be outside the top 50. I mean, a lot of them are because they're not you know, that highly ranked anyway. A lot of them are going to be outside the top 50 in the world rankings within three to four months. That's just the way the rankings works. You drop like a stone, basically. You're out of those rankings very, very quickly. So come next year, players like Westwood, Garcia, Poulter, Anser, Taylor Gooch, who had a good week, they're not going to be in the top 50 they're not going to be able to play the majors next year. So they haven't won a major. Garcia has, yes, he's got the Masters, so he can play in that. But these other players, they're not going to be able to play any more of those majors. So are they, are they worried about that? Probably a few of them aren't because they've already had their career. They've already thought, well, I've already had my chance to win a major. And that's really what defines you as a golfer at the end of the day is your major's record. Jack Nicklaus has 18. Tiger Woods has 15. Everyone knows that. Greg Norman has two. Everyone knows that. Um, Sevi Varadsterus has five. Faldo has six. It's one of those things that that's your number. Do you think Cam Smith goes? Right now, no, mm. because he's number two in the world, number two in the FedEx Cup, and he's in a prime position to win the FedEx Cup this year. That has a lot of money attached to that. I'm, I know we're talking seriously more money with the Saudis, but in a way, I you know personally, I would love to see Cam stay and think, okay. I've just won the Open Championship. I've etched my name on a cup that has all the legends, all the greats in the game. I want to continue to be a part of something, you know, Mm. which is a global tour that will, you know, cement my legacy over the years to come. Mm. And as far as money
1: goes, a $3.7 million payday ain't a bad four days at the office. So... That works, um, right? Hey, we've got about a minute and a half when we come back to wrap up with your golf tip of the week. On Off The Tee, Nick O'Hearn, Sam Hargraves, senator You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. I feel like we've only just scratched the surface of Cam Smith's monumental achievement in the 150th Open Championship. Only a little bit delved into in terms of live golf. There's more on that and the PGA's relationship with Australian golf over the years. But Nick, how to play your best golf strategies from a tour pro. Your tip for the week, please.
0: Well, I thought, why not talk about strategy? Because we've just come off the Open Championship at St Andrews, one of the most strategic golf courses in the world. Now, my book, the first section, is all on strategy, so I just want to touch on something very simple today, and that's on really where to tee the ball up within the teeing area. You've got two markers to tee it up between. Now, if you're on a dog leg to the right hole, tee it up on the right-hand side. What that does is it opens up the left-hand side of the fairway for you, because the outside of the dog leg usually is where you want to hit the ball. The inside is where the trouble is, the bunkers, the trees. We don't want to be on the inside. If you've got a dog leg left, tee it up on the left-hand side. Now, if you're a fader of the ball... If you have a left-to-right shape for a right-hander golfer, right-to-left for a left-hander. But I'm, I'm talking in right-handed terms here. If you're a fader of the ball, always tee the ball up on the right-hand side, even on a dog-leg left hole, because that shape will just suit your shape of the basically the flight that you put on the ball. How Very to play simple. your
1: best golf, brilliantly done. Nick O'Hearn, strategies from a tour pro. Mate, we will see you back again next week for more Off the Tee. We'll see you then.